Here we're in Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 10 uh, through 17. As I said this morning, as of now, we'll plan on having church regular time Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Uh, if anything changes, we'll let you know church next Sunday as regular. Uh, and we appreciate the Cowdens and they were disinfecting the church after church this morning, getting all your germs out, making sure that they were all gone. Uh, we appreciate them doing the extra work this week to make sure uh, we take as many precautions as possible uh, and still be able to come together and worship tonight. You're in your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 6. I should probably turn in my Bible there too. We're going to preach out of there. Ephesians chapter 6, a familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, this morning we talked about having three aspects of our life right with God, having faithfulness to Him, being obedient to Him, and living a godly life. Three characteristics that we should have in our life uh, in any t season of life, but especially in times when there are difficulties. Um, and, and I had somebody say to me this morning, uh, that's easier said than done. And I agree with you 100%. Uh, it's easy to stand up here and say, you need to be faithful to God, you need to be obedient to Him, and you need to live godly, but how can we have victory uh, in our life when things get tough? How can we have victory when the, it seems that the world is against us? Uh, and tonight, that's what I want to look with you guys at, is Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10 through 17. Uh, you know it as the armor of God, but the title of my message tonight is How to Have Victory, simply How to Have Victory. In order to win in any battle... When you go into a battle, let me say that differently. When you go into a battle, you want to win. Is that correct? <coughs> Nobody goes into a battle that I know of. There might be some battle strategy out there where you want to lose a battle in order to win a war. I don't know, but that's over my head. But in general, if you are going into a battle, you want to win the battle. I don't care if that battle is called a basketball game, uh, a soccer game, or you know, a war. We go into it to win. I was never one that liked the uh, sports where we tell kids, hey, we're just out here to have fun. I want you to have fun, but I want you to win too. All right, if Landon ever plays soccer for a league and they go, we're just out here to have fun, we're not keeping score. This dad will be keeping score. I will be keeping score to see if Landon won or lost. Uh, and we will celebrate and, and we'll learn. But we go into a game and we go into win and not just to have fun. Uh, why? Because nobody likes to lose. But can I tell you so much more important than any kind of basketball game, soccer game, uh, or uh, whatever you're doing is the battle that we face as Christians. Because nobody wants to make it to their end of their life and say, I lost the battle in my Christian life. Satan won and had victory over me. Uh, I was not victorious over sin, but sin was victorious over me. And we want to be able to be victorious. I think everybody in here would agree in your Christian life you want to. I hope that's the desire of your heart. I hope nobody's sitting in here going, I just want to fail at life. I really don't care. I can sin and do whatever, and I'm going to go to heaven because of God's grace. So, amen, I can live however I want to. That's the wrong attitude. We can have victory over sin. Can I tell you that tonight? We can, and I know you want it, but how do we have it? And we're going to look at just three simple things tonight, uh, and maybe one or two more if we have time. Uh, but we're going to look at several different things in looking at how to have the victory. But let's read these verses, just seven. Verses 10 through 17, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. 
and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We can have victory, but will we? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for uh, a good service we had this morning. I thank you for those that are back tonight. I pray that you would work, uh, that you'd help us to see how we can have victory and uh, what we need in our Christian lives in order to have it. We thank you and praise you for what you're going to do and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, if you're going to have victory in your Christian life, you need to realize that we have a powerful enemy. We have a very powerful enemy. Uh, Satan is our enemy. He is not our friend. Uh, when you get saved, Satan does not like when you get saved. Satan does not want you to share your testimony with other people and see other people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. What does 1 Peter 5, 8 says? It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you. He wants you to fail. Uh, why? Because if you fail, your Christian testimony is ruined. Those people around you that you have influence over aren't going to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and Satan's had victory. Now, that's not to say that when we fall and, and when we sin that we can't get forgiveness for that sin and still be used of God. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to be careful because it's very, very easy for Satan to win uh, and to hurt our testimony in front of people who are watching us. Uh, the Bible says here in Ephesians chapter 6 that we need to stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand against those attacks. Because can I promise you, Satan will attack. Not if he will attack, it's when he will attack you in your Christian life. And I found, and I don't know if this is true in your life, I would say it is, that Satan doesn't always attack in the most obvious of ways. He looks for that back door. If you were to... Uh, Okay, let's just say, and I don't know, maybe it's terrible of me to have these thoughts. Uh, I'm going to go back to Walmart again. I know I've been talking about Walmart a lot today. I was with Pastor, and he thought I was weird when I said this. We were shopping for the missionaries, getting some snacks for them. Uh, and if you go to the Fort Henry Walmart, uh, you know they have those cool little gates now and an alarm sounds if you try to walk out the wrong way. Uh, and they check, they scan your receipt if you've got something that's not in a bag. Only if you have something that's not in a bag. They scan your receipt, and they scan that item. Well, I purposely, just to see if they would ever do anything, I always put the same thing. And it's not the most expensive thing, but I never bag it, and I put it on the edge of my cart, and they scan that every single time. Now, I'm not saying I'm stealing from Walmart, but if I were to steal from Walmart, I am not going to walk out with an item not in a bag on the edge of my cart. Why? Because I am going to get caught. That is very obvious. Not that I've thought through this, okay, but if you were to, you would put it in that bag and you would hide it and you would sneak it out uh, because that's just, uh, it makes no sense to me that, but it's great if that's what they do. Uh, the same way with Satan, though, if someone were to come break into your house, more than likely they'll come knock on your front door first to see if you're home, uh, and they're probably not going to climb in a front window. Why? Because your neighbors are probably watching, okay? They're going to go look for that back door that you've left unlocked that you forgot about. That's just sitting there waiting for somebody to walk right into your house. And the same is true with Satan in our lives. Uh, he's not always going to attack the front door. Now, sometimes he will. Uh, but there's times when he's going to look for that part of your life that you've left unlocked, that you've left uh, unguarded in your heart, that weak part. He's going to look for that weak part in the wall of your heart. That's why the Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence. 
We're supposed to keep it. Why? Because out of it are the issues of life. And he's going to look for that part in your life that you've left unguarded, and he's going to attack there. He's going to look for the weakest point, not necessarily the strongest point. And so we need to be ready. I am very, I go around at night, and there's sometimes I do it a couple times, I check all the doors in our house. And if I'm not sure if I check the door, I go around and I check that door and I check all the other doors. Last night when I went to bed, I wasn't sure if I had checked the doors. I went down, our front door was completely unlocked. Our basement door was unlocked and the garage door was open. Uh, you know, that's what Satan, Satan's going to look for those open doors. If you wanted to come break into my house, last night was the night. Uh, you should have come. You missed out on your opportunity. I'm sorry. Uh, but that's what he's going to look for. He's going to look for those unlocked doors, those weak areas, and attack you. It's not always the most obvious way. We shouldn't regard iniquity in our heart. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Uh, Brother Spencer, you guys know Brother Spencer. When I was in college, one of these quotes, and I wrote it in the flyleaf of my Bible here, uh, and it says, an untrained soldier is simply a target. And untrained, and that hit me. I sat there and I thought, you know what? If you were to go out and fight in a war today, if you were to go join the Army or Marines or whatever branch you would join, whichever branch you think is best, the Marines, right, Brother Brown? The Marines, hoorah. You go out, you join the Marines, uh, and you go and you sleep through basic training. Not that they would let you sleep through basic training anyways. Uh, you would be in big trouble. But, and there's a reason why, because they realize this concept. If you are not trained, if you are not ready for battle, uh, you're just a target on the battlefield. If you don't know how to work your gun, uh, if you don't know how to uh, attack in the battle plan, you're simply going to be a target out there on a battlefield. You might as well uh, take a target grocery bag and tape it to the front of you and walk around. And the same is true in our Christian life. If we aren't in the Word of God, if we're not drawing closer to Him every day, if we're not in His Word, well, we're an untrained soldier in God's army. And we've got a big bullseye on our back for Satan to attack us. We're asking for it. And so we need to make sure that uh, we are trained soldiers, that we're in the word of God, because we have a powerful enemy. But number two, I don't want you to get discouraged. You go, that's a really discouraging first point, Daniel. Satan is strong. He's a powerful enemy. Thank you very much for that. Not only, number one, do we have a powerful enemy, but number two, we serve a powerful God. That's more powerful than Satan uh, and uh, he is on our side. And I'm glad that I'm on the winning side, aren't you? I'm excited to be on the winning side. Look at verse number 10 with me. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. When do we get in trouble? When I get in trouble is when I start to trust in my own might and my own strength. Uh, and that's when I think I've got it all under control and I can do it without God. I don't say that out loud, but don't we act like that sometimes? I can do it without God. I don't need to read my Bible today. I don't need to pray as much. I'm doing okay. Things seem to be going pretty good. Uh, we need to be careful. We serve a powerful God that wants to help us, that wants to, uh, to use us and wants us to use his power. But we have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Acts 26, 18. Turn with me there, if you would, in your Bibles. Keep your fingers in Ephesians because we'll come right back there. But Acts chapter 26. And verse number 18, the Bible says to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You know, when we get saved, there should be a change that happens. 
We are no longer under the bondage of sin, but we have been freed from that bondage, and we have the power of God in our lives. And I know you guys know this. We won't stay on it long, but I just want to remind you that when we are in battle, when we are waging war, which we are every single day uh, against Satan, that we have to rely on the right power. We have to rely on the strength which comes from God and God alone. And not just partially rely on it, but fully rely on God. What does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. God will protect us. God will help us in the battle, but we must trust in him. If we fully rely on God and his power, he will protect you. He will help you. He will strengthen you. We can serve a powerful God, but not only do we serve a powerful God, we have a powerful enemy, we serve a powerful God. But number three, these are all peace tonight. Isn't it great? We have, and this is double peace, uh, we have powerful protection. It took me a long time to come up with all these Ps, okay? There is a lot of peace, uh, but we serve a powerful God and we have powerful protection. What is that powerful protection? Yes, ultimately it is God, but God has given us his armor. And let's read down through the armor and let's look at it for a minute back in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 6. In verse 12, it starts out as I saying, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You've heard me talk about this before. What are we wrestling against? We're wrestling against Satan uh, and against the powers of this world. And then verse 13 says, Because of all this, because Satan is attacking, because he's walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, wherefore, take unto you, Part of the armor of God. Take unto you the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. A lot of times we read through this list and uh, some of it's easier to put on than others. The helmet of salvation. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's a little bit harder to do in our life, isn't it? The breastplate of righteousness. When I think of, um, and I've never been in war, okay, the biggest war I've been in is the paintball war. Uh, and we did a paintball war at this place in South Carolina with our teenagers, uh, and it was a lot of fun. But can I tell you that I did not want to feel pain when I went to that paintball course. I do not like uh, being welted with paintballs and having welts all over me. Uh, so I wore three shirts and you know, I had on six pairs, of, it wasn't six pairs of pants, it felt like it though. And it was South Carolina in the middle of summer, and it was 100 degrees outside. I was very uncomfortable. I had on a hat, and I never wear hats, and I, uh, I was just very, very hot. And then they put this face mask on you so that you don't get shot in the face. Uh, and there's no telling how many people have worn that face mask before me, and it smelled like they hadn't disinfected it in 20 years since they opened the paintball course. Uh, and here I am breathing in, uh, and it was one of the most uncomfortable, unpleasant experiences of my life. But can I tell you that I kept all that on for one reason? It's because I wanted to be protected from those paintballs. And I, when you're a youth pastor, or you work with teenagers, or you, if your kids probably too. Landon's not old enough to do this yet. Uh, but... It was all, I don't care if they were on my team, if they weren't on my team, it was all, let's get Daniel. We all are going to team up against Daniel, we're all going to shoot him. It doesn't matter, they called me PB there, they we're all going to shoot PB. And literally, they could be two, there was one of my teammates, and bless his heart, he was my favorite teenager. I'm lying in church. 
he was just, he was a tough case. Uh, I loved him to death, but he never listened. He didn't want to be there, and you could tell it. And he didn't like me. And I don't know why anybody wouldn't like me. I'm such a nice guy. Uh, you know what? Right, Kelly? Thank you. Uh, but he didn't, and he was three feet away from me, and I put him on my team on purpose because I knew he didn't like me, and I knew he was going to have no mercy on me. And here he is standing right from me to the piano, and he walks over to me, and he goes, you're on my team, right? I said, yes, and he shot me in the hand four times. I almost lost my Christian testimony on a teenager in my youth group. Uh, but, you know, I, I had on that protection. Why? Because I cared about... And number one, I wanted to win the paintball war. Number two, I cared about being protected from those paintballs. And so many times with the armor of God, we go, this is, this is uncomfortable. I don't like having it on. I imagine for those of you who are in the military uh, that sometimes having on that body armor uh, probably wasn't the most comfortable thing in the world. The helmets that you had to wear, they were hot at times and uh, heavy, but you wore them, why? To be protected and to save your life. And in the Christian life, we need to have on the, uh, the whole armor of God. Not just go out and say, well, I don't feel like having on the helmet today or the breastplate today, but have on the whole armor of God. And can I tell you that it's not just something that happens one time, but it's an everyday decision. So let's go through the armor of God really quick. Uh, and it's something that you know, so I won't spend a ton of time on it. But have your loins girt about with the word of truth. Uh, the belt of the armor in, in the Bible times, it was a very important piece of armor. You go, why was the belt an important piece of armor? It doesn't seem like a belt would be very important. Uh, have you ever gone out shopping or to the mall and seen some people that were struggling with their pants uh, to keep them where they needed to be and you thought they should really put a belt on? My dad, he would never say it to people, uh, but once somebody would walk by, he'd go, put a belt on. Uh, <laughs> and Why? Because uh, how is it going to be if those people have to try to run away from somebody uh, in a war, and their pants are falling. It's not going to be very good. Uh, the belt in the Bible times was something that tied the entire armor together. It helped hold the whole entire suit of armor together. And can I tell you that truth, having on your words, loins girt about with the words of truth, that truth is what will hold us together as Christians. Uh, when do preachers get in trouble? When do churches get in trouble? When they start erring from the truth of the Word of God and start going out on their own and interpreting things on their own and trying to be more like the world and trying to uh, draw the world in, they become more like the world and they go away from the absolute truth of God's word and, and it all starts to fall apart. Uh, there was a church in Charlotte, North Carolina, a rather large church, and they started uh, going away from God's truth. And they were a very, very solid church. Uh, and I talked to one of the members that was there at the church and uh, they said, you know, it's really sad. We have this huge auditorium that'll seat over a thousand people and we maybe have 250 here on a Sunday morning. And they used to run three services a day, and the auditorium was full. And I thought, what happened to that church that it unraveled so fast? And what had happened is they had gone away from the truth of God's word, and it had all fallen apart. And trying to be like the world and attract the world, they drove the people in the church who were spiritual away, and the people from the world didn't want to come, because, and it was just a whole entire mess. So can I encourage you that the belt doesn't seem like it would be uh, the most important, but truth is what will hold us together when we, when we are faced with trying circumstances. When you get that diagnosis, when you get that, the bad news, that phone call at 11 o'clock at night, the truth of God's word is what will hold us together as Christians. Number two is the breastplate of righteousness. 
Uh, it protects a breastplate. You think about it, what does it protect? It protects a lot of important things, does it not? Well, you have a lot of important vital organs up here that you can't live without. Uh, you take your heart out, you can't live without your heart. If your heart starts doing some funky things, it affects you, doesn't it, Brother Bernard? It, it does. It is not a good thing. If your heart, and it amazes me, the human body off topic and how God designed everything to where if the heart is just a little bit out of rhythm, it completely throws everything off. But the breastplate protects the heart. Uh, it protected the lungs. It protected so many vital things. It protected their chest. And uh, just like the breastplate protected their chest, the breastplate of righteousness, it protects our heart. And that's why the Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Not only is the breastplate of righteousness, which protects our heart, we also have to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to have a firm footing. I went to basketball camp for two years, and it really didn't help me much with my basketball skills, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but one thing that he, the guy at the basketball camp stressed was to have a firm footing. Uh, and so he uh, taught us, and probably not a good thing looking back on how to teach us, how to fake a foul. And so he would have you stand there and have, so the person would charge you, make sure you had a firm footing, and when they came up to you, throw yourself backwards. And he'd put a mat on the ground and teach us how to throw ourselves backwards and to make it dramatic so that the ref would call a foul for charging. And I look back at that and go, that is a terrible way to teach somebody to play basketball, probably. Uh, but, you know, if we have a firm footing, if we don't have our firm footing, uh, then we will be in trouble when we're attacked. When Satan comes and attacks us, if we're not grounded in the Word of God, if we're not meditating therein day and night, as Joshua 1.8 says, when we're attacked, we will fall. Not only that, we need to take the shield of faith that can quench all the fiery darts of Satan. A Christian's resolute faith can quench every fiery dart of Satan. Can I tell you that Christ, with the shield of faith, you can quench every dart. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter uh, how hard he tries, but you can quench those fiery darts from Satan. And not only that, the helmet of salvation. I don't like helmets. When you ride a bike, I know that's important probably to save your head and to keep you from concussions, but they're uncomfortable. They're hot. They're sweaty. Uh, but... Why do we wear it? To protect us. Uh, you know, the helmet of salvation, it's, being a Christian isn't always easy. If somebody told you that the Christian life was an easy road, they lied to you. I'm sorry to break it to you. Uh, but God promises us safety. Both now and in every future battle that we face, we will have safety from Satan because of our salvation. And lastly, I find this last one interesting because it's the only offensive weapon that's mentioned in the armor of God. Everything protects us from Satan. Everything protects us and, and keeps us from his fiery darts and protects our, our heart. But this last one is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the Bible. It's our offensive weapon. How can you attack Satan? It's Memorize scripture. Memorizing scripture is a great thing to do. It helps keep your brain going and functioning. Uh, and it's also great in attacking Satan right back when he tries to attack you, when he tempts you. You've heard me say it before. If you struggle with a certain sin, you should memorize some verses on that sin so that when Satan tries to tempt you to do it, you can quote scripture right back at him. Uh, and it's a great thing to do is to memorize the word of God. It, and the Bible says we need to wear the whole Armor. And so all of these things, every morning when we wake up, we just say, am I wearing the entire armor of God? And we have a little bit of extra time tonight. Not only do we have a powerful protection, 
But number four, and lastly, we have a powerful promise. A powerful promise. It doesn't come from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians promises us that God will be with us. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He promises to give us the armor of God. But Romans 8, 28, you guys know the verse. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God promises that everything will work together for his good, if you love him, if you're called according to his purpose. But if you look at, eight, if you're in Romans chapter 8, look at verse number 35. If you're not there, go ahead and turn there. This list is an encouraged, it sounds discouraging, but it is an encouraging list. Romans chapter 8, verse number 35, the Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. That is very encouraging, Daniel. Thank you for that. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Uh, you know, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. But then this next verse is so encouraging. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And I don't know who said this. It must have been from a message. In my Bible, I have a little asterisk written there. We are not just surviving, but as Christians, we should be thriving. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are not just to, and this is also written down there, this is not original with me. Uh, not only have we won the victory, but we are God's son. This sounds, I don't know, it sounds like a Kenny Baldwin outline to me, and I think it was from one of his messages at a youth conference. And last he said, we are not just dwelt within, but we are to be dwelling in him. And all those things are great. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Revelations 15, 2 says, And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the numbers of his name stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. Isaiah 25, 8 says, He will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all the, off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall, be taken, shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. And 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? We can have the victory. What is the victory? You know the hymn, Faith is the victory, Faith is the victory. Faith is a victory that overcomes the world. So can I encourage you today to have faith in the strength and the power of God, and he can give us the victory in every aspect of our life.